Good morning. It's the Drive to School podcast. I am Pastor Goodman. I am the content executive for Higher Things. And joining me again is David Zills. David, it's so great to have you here again with us. Uh, when David joins us, we talk about something called apologetics. We talk about the defense of your faith. And it's becoming a, a bigger and bigger thing. Uh, David, good morning. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Harris? I'm doing fantastic it's it's like a cold and rainy day in may and so i'm still trying to kind of get my head around the fact that one day i would like to see spring again um but we're we're gonna we're gonna persevere anyway um the the rainy days they're cozy anyway i like that and have a cup of coffee just sort of enjoy things I love it. That's a good mug. I like kind of the fancy ones. Um, I collect yeah. them when my wife gets mad. Uh, I'm not a hoarder. Everything's okay. So apologetics, <laughs> the defense of the faith and, and why that matters, um, especially as we get a little bit older. Uh, David, we were talking a little bit before we started recording about sort of the difference um, bet- uh, between the faith of a child and, and, well, a young adult and adult, an adult. What do, what do we know about this? Yeah, so that was something that I definitely went through was the process of having my faith stretched and challenged um, as a young adult. Um, as I started to learn things and learn that life uh, and the universe was more complicated than I realized as a kid. So I, I remember there were two, two people said things to me that really stuck with me over the years. One was my dad when I was about probably 17 or 18, about to go to college. And I think we were sitting on the the couch in the family room at the time. And my dad said, the years 18 to 22, roughly, are the most intense years of growth most people go through, except for the first few years of their life. He said, you know, kind of, if you think of the beginning of your life, you're learning what it's like to live in the world as a person outside your mother's womb, you're learning to walk, talk, eat, kind of interact with people. And you don't remember that growth, but it's really intense. Uh, Maybe it's a blessing we don't remember it because there are probably parts of it that are hard. But unfortunately, when we get to the college years, especially in our culture, uh, we do remember that growth and it can be just as intense. I know it was for me. Um, And regarding, well, and I think the, the reason it's hard is, you know, so much of your life is spent under the supervision and protection of your parents. And they kind of define the world for you. Not, not completely. As you get into teenage years, you gain some independence, which is good and, and helpful and appropriate. But, you know, most people, when they go to college, it's the first time that they choose where to eat, when to eat, when to do studying, when, where to go to church, whether to go to church, what kind of people to hang around with, what to do in your free time, what kind of entertainment to take in. And it's all kind of a blank slate and you kind of have to figure out, wow, who am I? What am I going to do? And, and that, that's uh it's, it's a necessary step, but it can be a very hard step. Um, And regarding faith, um, I remember my pastor that was my pastor most of my childhood, when I was going through a season of questioning in my teenage years, he kind of drew this diagram, and I don't have paper, but he kind of said, you come in from over here, and there's this middle portion where things are messy, but as a kid, you're off to the, you're you're not there yet, and everything is simple, kind of the way your parents present life and kind of organize your life is very comfortable for most people. I mean, not, not always, sometimes it can be very hard. A lot of people do have to grow up faster than they probably 
would like to and is good but um but life looks one way as a child and then when you get to your teenage years you enter all this complication and you have questions um i was talking to someone this weekend and they said you know questioning is part of owning your beliefs and, and that's really what this process is as you realize life is more complicated and so the faith that suited the simple life as a child has to grow to become to fit the complicated life as an adult and that growing process has to involve questions and for some people the questions might be you know one thing and for some people they might be another but there's always this questioning and this sense of is my faith big enough to handle real life as an adult. And yeah, I think that's just a challenge and it's something that is hard, but it's necessary and it's healthy. It's really, I, I think sometimes the smallest words are the most important. And you said something so incredibly profound that you said that our, our faith has to be questioned for it to grow. Um, that not that it might be, but, but that these questions that we consider so taboo as we're sort of growing up inside of the faith, they actually become a normal part of dealing with an adult faith, of, of developing a robust faith, that the idea that, you know, Jesus loves me, this I know is, is for the Bible tells me, so it's a great song for kids, but it's not just that we come into college and college is so dead set against the Christian. It's, it's that, no, we're, we're actually getting to think about it now for ourselves. It's not just that something is evil or, or, or something is neutral. It's that now you are given the freedom to poke at it a little bit, but well, if it's actually true, you should be able to poke at it. The, the questions that, that develop the robust faith have to be asked if you want the answers. Yeah, I think that's really good. And to, to finish the, the, the picture that my pastor drew, he said, after you get through these complications and these questions, when you get the answers on the other side, looking back, you have what often is, again, a simple faith. You know, Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. But you know all the stuff that goes into that and how it fits into the complex world we live in. And so there's, there can be this childlike faith with adult thinking. And the questions are the way to get there because life is complicated. And the older you get, the more weird and complex and very hard things you experience. And, and the more it's hard to make sense of it all. And you wonder, you know, does my faith have anything to do with this life that I'm living? Right. Um, it's not new either. Um, Paul talks biblically about uh, the, the Christian church having to move from the milk to the meat of the scriptures, that that um, as we grow in faith, we're going to need a, a more challenging diet, not because um, God is, is stepping back, not because um, we, we have to sort of leave behind the, the faith of a little child, but it, it's simply that grownups eat differently. And you're right, like towards the end of our life, uh, thanks be to God, we, we can actually fall back on the milk of the scriptures. But it, it's, it's not sort of a new problem to want to sort of be uh, challenged by a more adult faith. The idea that, that Paul would call us to actually uh, chew on the, the meat of the scriptures a little bit. Uh, it, it gives us a chance to sort of wrestle with things. And, and it's not a bad thing. It's in fact, it's, it's good and proper. Yeah, I like that. The fact that Paul says that it's almost like the Bible gives us permission to wrestle and to be unsure and to lean into unanswered questions. And I, I think we have to have that permission because it's what God wants for us to grow. And just to be concrete and not just talk about questions and complexity, but to be concrete, some real examples that I know people have wrestled with either in my life or people I know. Um, 
you know, you might get to college and there's a professor who says science is the ultimate way to knowing and therefore, you know, religious faith has no meaning or isn't valid. That could be one challenge. And you think, hmm, how do I think about that? And another one could be, um, you know, you think about maybe faith was presented in a way that it was very intellectual or theological and had a lot to do with rules and, and sin and forgiveness, but what does it have to do with the longings of my heart and my need for meaning and, um, and satisfaction and love? And is, is Jesus have anything to do with my relationships and the fact that I, I want wholeness inside? And, you know, that could be one challenge. Maybe it's, you know, there are a lot of hot button cultural issues today, like um, sexuality, gender, social justice, and, you know, Christians and non-Christians alike have a lot of hotly debated opinions about these things. And you might say, well, is the Bible compassionate? Where, where is truth in all this? Is it is truth life-giving or is it constraining? And, you know, that could be something to wrestle with. Another, you know, from my experience, another issue could be, um, you know, maybe you grew up in a Lutheran bubble like I did and my siblings did, and then you go to college, maybe not at a you know, a non-Christian college, but a Christian college that's interdenominational, and you're getting challenged with theology that is maybe different. Maybe you have people asking you, what was the moment you made a decision for Jesus? And maybe you start to wonder, hmm, am I a real Christian? And you have to dig into what does a relationship with Jesus look like biblically, and is my faith valid? Um, so there are all sorts of things, and everybody's questions are different. It's not the same for any person. It's not the same in every season, and we all go through these seasons of, you know, getting challenged, um, but those challenges are an opportunity to grow, and um, we don't have to be afraid of them, even though they can be very scary and, and difficult, um, because God is in the midst of that, helping us grow and to learn that he's big enough to handle these things, and he, and he really is good and is with us in all of it. Right. So there's a, a big um, push inside of, uh, well, sinners, really, um, not, not just the world, but, but us, to sort of disconnect uh, the faith that is believed from the faith that believes. The, the idea that there is a Christian truth, but where my heart grabs onto it and actually finds hope in it. Uh, when these two things are far apart, it makes Christianity either seem um, like, like myths and fairy tales or rules, um, instead of comfort for struggling, dying sinners in this world. And God in his mercy, he actually wants to connect the two. You said he's found in the midst of this. This is actually why we do theology. It is done for the comfort of troubled consciences. So um, it, it's not then that just whether or not you're, you're allowed to ask these, these challenging questions. It, it's that if you actually want comfort for your troubled conscience, again, you have to, because this is where, this is where help is found. Um, it's not just permission, but, but it, it's like you said, it's where growth is found. And, and that's, that's beautiful. Um, yeah. You kind of got at the idea of Christianity. And I think um, there are ways our culture, there's this idea that there's truth, you know, what is, what is real? What's objective? What can I have confidence in? And then there's this idea of meaning. What is life-giving? What fills my soul with, you know, joy and, you know, makes me feel like life is worth living. And I think our culture separates those two. And I think oftentimes Christian cultures and subcultures can separate the two. And that's not the way we're meant to live. The objectivity of truth um, is something that gives us confidence 
and it gives us the fulfillment of of having life-giving relationships with God and each other and um and we're not meant to separate those what happens if we just try and find meaning apart from truth Um, yeah, that, I think that's a temptation in our culture is that truth is constraining um, and therefore meaning should be found in freedom to self-express and discover who we really are. Um, I think there's a lot more that could be said about this and maybe, you know, we can expand on this uh, at a later date, but I think we're not ultimately free. I, I was reading a Tim Keller book, The making sense of God. And he talks about how our culture makes freedom the highest ideal. And he says, that doesn't really work because we're not free. You know, maybe you have two desires. One is to achieve a really successful career. And then maybe you meet someone you love and you have another desire to be with that person. And now your desires are in conflict. And so we can't have it all. And so part of freedom is not having it all but it's knowing how to live in touch with our design with the way God made us. So that way our desires can be ordered correctly so that we can really be satisfied in the way um, that is really life-giving. And so um, seeking truth is really just seeking the reality of who we are and how we can best live the life that is, that is good. Um, and, and there's also this other aspect of truth that's life-giving and that there's confidence we don't have to worry that it's something I made up that can change with circumstances or, you know, that if I get a, you know, move to a new culture, all my, you know, worldview will be up, upended. And so there's this idea that there's bedrock, that we can have security and confidence and it will stand the storms of life. And I think, yeah, I think, I think keeping truth and meaning together is really important because there's a danger both sides of separating those. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's almost even, you, you mentioned two desires. And so um, the, the pastor in me wants to run to Romans chapter seven, where, you know, Paul has the desire to do what God commands and also the desire to keep on sinning. Um, and you can do it in, in all of the crass ways where Christians genuinely struggle with, with guilt and shame because uh, the, the desires that, that they express late at night are not the desires that they have during the day um, to, to actually follow God's law. Um, but even just sort of the idea that, that the things that we want aren't always satisfying. Um, and, and I say this as one who is driven by a Taco Bell um, and just <laughs> decided in that moment, I absolutely have to order $17 worth of junk food and eat it right away. And by the end of it, um, it meant a lot at the time, but it, it sure didn't satisfy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I think that it's easy, especially depending on our church background to see rules as constraints rather than as things that give us freedom to be who we were meant to be and, um, and to see it as something that we have to do rather than as something that we want to do because God loves us and is for us. And um, yeah, so I think it, the idea of right and wrong from a truth standpoint can seem very constraining, probably because in part we as Christians don't always talk about it in the most biblical way. We talk about it as um, as constraints, which they are, but we don't talk about it as um, guides to the good life.
Yeah, gifts. Um, the idea that the law would actually be driving us towards something. And if it's just sort of driving us towards a, a little corner of good behavior, I can understand why that's restraining because at the end of the day, all it's going to do is, is murder old Adam. But if it's actually driving you towards Christ, towards the gospel, then it, the law becomes a very freeing thing because it points you ultimately to he who forgives you your sin and, and is the fulfillment of it. So that when we look back at the law, it, it's not simply just a, a, a whip to, to sort of destroy the things that I actually want. It's actually calling me away from the things that, that get broken by sin and, and towards, well, comfort, towards peace that is Christ who is risen from the dead. And, and ultimately, that's what all of this is going to start to circle around to. Um, the idea that, that there is something for us other than sort of building in this world a, a, a relatively moral life that's going to be all right for, you know, 60, 70, 80 years. Um, but, but rather, we, we face the unknown, we face uh, the, the hard questions, we face sort of even just our, our, our identity and, and inside of uh, our, our cultures where we fit with, with the gospel. Um, the law is not ever going to really comfort you on its own, but it's going to drive you to Jesus where, where there is a lot of comfort. Yeah, and you, you talked about good behavior and something that my parents were very um, emphatic about growing up is that behavior is secondary. Um, it's hard issues that really matter. Um, and if you're doing behavior out of resentment, um, you're missing the point of what a relationship with a loving father looks like. And so I think behavior really should not be the focus as much as where's my heart in relationship to God, especially and other people. And that's where, I mean, sometimes it just takes some good counseling to work through issues that get in the way of those relationships and get in the way of thinking about ourselves, the way God sees us. And, um, but yeah, I really think, you know, leaning into hard issues is, is key because behavior really is secondary. You can act a bunch of ways, but, um, where your heart is, is really what's going to drive the trajectory of your life. And, I think that's important. Right. And one of them can actually be addressed and the other can't. If it's just sort of behavior, it's always sort of starting inward and, and forcing out a behavior. Um, whereas if it's actually for my heart, then I get to take those questions and I get to ask them places and I get to actually receive an answer. I get to actually have something address my heart instead of just sort of saying heart stop wanting uh, because that, that doesn't work. Um, and so it, it's it's important not only to ask these questions, but but where to ask these questions. So like right now, if, if it's rain, I wanna know whether or not it's raining, I could look outside or I could look in the closet. Um, one of those would actually give me the answer. A, a lot of times when we struggle with questions of the faith, uh, we end up looking for answers in places that aren't necessarily designed to give them. It's important to question the faith, it actually is, but where do we take these questions then? Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um... Um, I know the canned Christian answer is you look in God's word. And I remember when I was struggling and people said, well, look to God's word. I was struggling because I said, well, how do I know that this is God's word? How do I know it's true? Um, and so I think it's more nuanced than that. Um, I think uh, walking in Christian community with people who have walked your struggle before you, I think that is something that really helped me. Um, so not just, um, not just Christian community with people who profess the same things, but people who really know the struggle that I have and maybe are 10, 20 years out in front of me. 
Um, that was probably the thing that was most helpful for me because they could say, I get it. They could enter into the complexity and not give me the pat answers that frustrated me, but they could, you know, they had wrestled with the nuance and the complexity and could not only give me answers, but where their answers weren't enough, they could just be with me and encourage me that I wasn't alone. And I think that's very powerful. And that's something that, you know, that's part of being the body of Christ for each other. That's magnificent. Thank you for not just giving me a padded answer, by the way, because you're right. It's not that the Bible is insufficient, but it's that I'm going to have an insufficient grasp if I'm just told, go and read it. Um, but to actually have somebody to walk me through it, it gives me an apostolic faith now um, that, that we confess in our creed. Yep. Yep, exactly. Well, we, we teased a lot of things that I think we're going to kind of circle back to, and I, I think we poked at a lot of stuff. Is there anything else we want to hit this morning, David, before we, we sign off? Uh, no, but I think you're right. I think we, we pulled on a lot of directions and there'll be more time to come to, um, flush those ideas out. I can't wait. David, thanks so much for joining us on the drive to school podcast. All right. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye.